Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Hey David, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, some fun basketball last night. It's been, uh, we haven't talked, I mean, actually we haven't been on the same episode in, in a few weeks, I guess, um, but we haven't talked a whole lot about these playoffs and um, obviously the injuries are, are making, uh, are really kind of the stories we're recording this morning. Uh, a couple of, like, I don't know, an hour ago, we found out Kawhi's going to miss some time. Um, Chris Paul is in COVID protocols. We'll see if that affects the uh, Western Conference Finals or if he'll be back by then. Obviously, the Nets injuries have kind of been the story of the finals. But in between it all, there's been, uh, I think, some really, really fun basketball. I've loved this Sun story. And, and Kevin Durant last night, Maryland native, uh, with one of the best games I've ever seen. So uh, I know it's it, people are kind of down on these playoffs. But uh, I think if you're actually watching the games and not just reading the stories, then... Um, They've been pretty good. Read the stories too, though, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just kind of a continuation of how the season has gone, right? I mean, injuries, COVID protocols have kind of dictated things, um, and that's continued, unfortunately, in the playoffs, whether it's Kawhi or, you know, Embiid. You saw him kind of favor the knee late in that, that Hawks game um, a few nights ago. Um you know, just different guys missing time because of injuries and with, with, with just the, that's the compact schedule and unique, you know, off, short off season last year. And then now, I mean, it's been a while, right, since a player's been impacted by protocols. Yeah. Um, and here we go. I mean, Chris Paul. Is he the Paul, first one in the playoffs or, or the first notable? He's definitely the first notable one at least. I think so. I think he's the first one in the playoffs off the top of my head. Um, I know for the past, like, couple, two or three weeks, the NBA always issues uh, a little brown weekly. slide. Yeah, right. And, and, the, and the NBA issues a weekly kind of COVID report about how many guys test positive. Um, without issuing names, of course. And I think the past three or four have had zero positive tests. I'm not saying that Chris Paul tested positive. We don't know that. Um, but the fact is he's out indefinitely. And the good thing for the Suns is they have some time off because they're awaiting the winner of the Clippers-Jazz series, which that series is now is tied 2-2. Um, so they'll have a you know maybe close to a week off where Chris Paul can get that resolved. But... Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because there are so many variables in this year's playoffs more than more than usual. Yeah, and it kind of sucks because I think you know the injuries, no matter what happens, are going to be the story in a lot of people's minds. Um, you know, obviously the Lakers, the defending champions. Um, I don't know if they beat the Suns with Anthony Davis, but but they certainly. Once they lost Anthony Davis, that they had no chance in that series. Obviously, right. if the Nets don't win at all, I think a lot of people are going to talk about their injuries. If the Sixers get upset by the Hawks, people are going to wonder what could have been with them and the Embiid injury. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, Kawhi we just, and, and Chris Paul, we just mentioned literally every team at this point. You know, I don't think anyone's talked about Mike Conley enough uh, with the Jazz, but, yeah. you know, they're hanging 2-2 without, you know, missing an all-star point guard. Um and Donovan Mitchell's on 100%. I mean, yeah. it's been pretty evident. Like, he's still, but, the ankle's still bothering him a little bit. So, I mean, it's, yeah, every team is dealing with something. I, don't right know. I hate that it has become the narrative because these playoffs have been, you know, the the Heat, part of the reason that Heat story was so fun last year was that they kind of, like, came out of nowhere. They were young. They were up upstarts. Like, those are always the most fun runs, playoff runs, right? Like, the Warriors, I, I always liked those 
those Warriors teams. Um, but the most fun they ever were was that first year where they uh, had their incredible series with the Clippers, and then obviously the second year when they kind of like arrived as a title team, probably a year before anyone really thought. And, um, you know, they were obviously one of the best teams of all time that year. And, you know, the Heat last year was a little different because Jimmy was, was kind of already established playoff performer in a way that, um, you know, the Warriors didn't have and, and some of these uh, young teams that are that are making noise in this playoffs didn't have. But, you know, Bam obviously was kind of broke out as like a, a true, like, top 20 guy. Um, and obviously, like, Tyler Hero, who obviously couldn't follow it up this year, but looked like a, a potential star. And obviously Duncan Robinson was a, like one of the best young players in the league in the playoffs. And this season, this, this postseason is kind of just full of those guys other than the Clippers and Nets, who obviously are the two super, two true blue super teams out here. Um, but, you know, the Hawks, obviously it's, it's Trey Young arriving. Um, the, uh, the Suns have Chris Paul, but obviously Chris Paul has never had a run like this. Um, and, and, you know, the, he kind of overshadows, I think, the the fun of the Booker Aiton emerging as a, a, a duo that even whenever Chris Paul leaves is going to be a factor. Obviously, the, the Jazz with uh, Mitchell and Gobert, um, obviously they have Conley too, but but another team that just has a bunch of guys rising as stars. Um, and and even, even the Sixers who are – Looking like they're take you know who looked like they were taking the leap. We'll see what happens in that series after uh, the, the Hawks tied it up. But after you know everyone complains about the super teams and stuff, and and you know who knows maybe we'll still run into a Clippers Nets finals and people will be pissed off. But even with all the injuries, it has been like that moment where we are seeing the next generation of teams basically show up and the next generation of stars and for the most part, homegrown teams. Uh, you know, everyone's got a free agent or, or a trade acquisition here and there in a, in a prominent role. But for the most part, these are team, these are the way people want teams to be constructed. And six of the eight teams left in this playoffs did it that way. And they're all really fun to watch, I think, uh, except maybe the, the Bucks could be a little frustrating. But for the most part, they're all really fun to watch. And I don't know, this is it's good basketball. It's what I want to see from the playoffs. And it just kind of sucks this injury thing is overshadowing it all. Yeah, and, and I think it's easy to forget too. Last year, like injuries were an issue as well. They're I mean, an issue every year. Remember because, when? Yeah. I mean, how many Warriors yeah. titles? Literally every Warriors titles. There were like naysayers being like, yeah. "Oh, Chris Paul got hurt. Oh, but Kyrie got hurt." Tom, uh, Tom Habeshaw is this funny uh, story he wrote last year. I think in the bubble when everyone was saying there was to be an asterisk next to the champion. Um, and he said, here are the champion." he made a list of all the championships that have asterisks next to them, and he listed every one. And there was a reason yeah. to, to kind of discredit the champion every single year if he really wanted to. And that's, I think, the point. Like, there's injuries every year. This year, yeah, they're a little, it's a little different. Obviously, it's, it's a unique situation. But look, the Heat last year didn't have Bam at 100% and really didn't have Goran for most of the series, and we don't know what that series would look like with those two guys healthy. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, you could every year, there are some circumstances that you could single out and say, okay, if that didn't happen, maybe this plays out differently. So I think, like you said, this is good basketball. We got to enjoy it. I mean, Kevin Durant, I, I don't know, where does that rank for you? That game five performance, considering the circumstances, the situation, the team he was facing, 
uh, for well, you know, just, what, what is that performance rank for you? Just as far thinking as of time? like the last ten years or whatever, or ten plus years, basically at this point. Um, the the like signature playoff performances I think of are obviously, um, you know, LeBron's Game Six against the Celtics, um, Clay's Game Six against the Thunder. Uh, like maybe LeBron the the game one of what year was that with the the JR game, um, even though they lost that. But like so, I don't think just because where we are in that series, you know, it was only uh, what game five. It's like a pivot point in that series, but not like a winner go kind of situation. Yeah. But um, to me, it's kind of in that next tier. But I don't know. That, like the the forty eight minutes played is kind of what uh, takes that up a. To like a different level for me. Yeah, I, 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 considering all the injuries they had, like they needed all forty-eight minutes, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, considering Kyrie was out and James Harden was playing, but he was not even close to himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was one of the best I've seen. I, I I always go back to that game six, LeBron game against the Celtics. Obviously, it's probably one of the best, um, the best that I've seen in the playoffs. But then there's also game seven against the Warriors. I think when they clinched it, the championship that. That LeBron game was pretty good too, and then the block yeah. at the end, and then there's always a Dwayne. Uh, these are these are Heat guys, but Dwayne Wade as well in 2006. I mean, his sure. yeah, yeah. entire I final. I was going that far off the top of my head, but yeah, that obviously that whole series could qualify, and and I'm sure I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's a, a Dirk game in that Mavericks upset. For sure. Also, for sure, I'm sure there's a few Steph games too, somewhere. Yeah. Um, Honestly, but, Steph but, was the 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 Rockets game uh, two years ago. Game six, I think, where Steph didn't score in the first half and then had 30 in the second half. Yes. Oh, game six, Clay. Two. Yeah, I said game six, Clay against oh, the okay. Thunder. That, that, to me, that and LeBron game six against the, the Celtics are kind of the top two I can think of yeah. off the top of my head. Um, yeah. And then Durant is in that next. This, this one has to be in that next group, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, so – that entire Bucks first round series against the Heat, we talked about how the Heat needed to make non rim twos and mid range shots to beat the Bucks. Kevin Durant was eight for nine on those shots yeah. in Game Five. Uh, he was just eating them up. Like that Brook Lopez drop coverage, he would just get find that little sweet spot and hit the jumper. Like they had to at some point. I think late in the game they made an adjustment where they just didn't sag off of him, but it really didn't matter at that point. Um, but Kevin Durant's almost like the per- if the, he would have had Kevin Durant in that series, maybe it would have been different. I think. <laughs> uh, that's my yeah. that's my that's my prediction. Yeah, uh, some of what Barry and I talked about last week is just like there's a uh, the gap as we kind of because we I think the Nets were up two zero when we recorded last week. Like the gap between the Heat and the Nets, who like started to look when the Nets are healthy, they're clearly the class of the East and probably the class of the NBA. Um, but look, that gap is is huge, and not you know it's hard to blame the Heat for that. Other than unless you think they could have had James Harden, but um, it's hard to blame the Heat for that at this point because of how loaded that that trio is. But uh, it yeah, it's it was just kind of a reminder that you know when you have unless you got a guy like Kevin Durant or James Harden, like you gotta be like perfectly constructed to uh to contend for a title. And unfortunately, the Nets have like two of the guy, two of the what like eight guys in the league that that make you into a a title contender. Um, obviously, the other interesting thing is with the the Nuggets getting swept out of the playoffs, it's pretty clear that there were just like four teams this year that had no shot. Right, <laughs> the four teams that went to the uh the conference semi the conference finals last year combined to win zero games in the second round of the playoffs. So like. 
you know, it's it's not a like uh, the Heat. We're not going to beat the Nets no matter what this year, probably, unless maybe the they happen to get the Nets in this round and there was a huge rash of injuries. But um, you know, when we talk about the injuries and how the injuries affect the playoffs every year, the the short layoff clearly just like effectively took four teams out of title contention this year. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to really um to to really know like how much of an impact that had on those teams, but I think when you say that those four teams combined for zero wins in the second round of the playoffs, like that just says everything right there. I, yeah. I don't know if that's I mean, we'd really have to do a deep dive to find out if that's ever happened before, but I'm guessing that's pretty unique. Um where the four conf- you know conference finalists did not the next season won zero games in the second round of the playoffs. So um, yeah, like you said, I, I don't think the Heat would have come out of the East either way because the Nets are so good when healthy. But I also think they were impacted by the historically short turnaround of like a month, and then it's going right into training camp. Like that was brutal for them, for the Lakers. I mean, you saw what you know the toll it took on the Lakers, and then yeah, I mean, all four teams. And some of like wins, I'm yeah. not going to say the Jamal injury, Jamal Murray injury was because of the short layoff, but all four teams were really impacted by injuries, obviously, all year long. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, uh, should we talk some, like, actual Heat basketball? Uh, all NBA, all defensive teams came out the last few days. And, uh, Anthony, you voted for Jimmy Butler for first-team All-NBA, one of the few guys to do it. Um, one of seven. Yeah. One of seven. Um, you want to just, like, make your case? I think we talked – we might have maybe actually talked about it when Tim was on, or you hinted that you uh, yeah. voted him first. Just do you want to make the case? He got third team, obviously, so uh, you helped you help Jimmy get a nice little paycheck. I honestly thought Jimmy was going to get second team. So did I, actually. I'm kind of surprised he didn't. I, I just think – I know he missed a lot of games, um, but he had the best regular season of his NBA career. Um, the impact he had, we've talked about it all season. Like, the Heat was an elite team when he was on the court, and they were probably, like, either the worst or one of the worst teams when he wasn't on the court. He led the league in steals. He had a true shooting percentage of 60% um, while shooting – 24% on threes. Like, how does that? How is that possible? Um, so it's just his his level of efficiency, his his ability to manipulate the game on on both ends and really take control of games, um, and just the the positive impact he had on the Heat. I thought um, he had one of the best seasons in, in in the league. And you look at all the advanced metrics, PR, the Basketball Reference version of PR. Like he was number five. He was the fifth. He had the fifth best um, efficiency rating. Ahead of Kawhi, and behind the you know the clear four guys of like Jokic and Steph yeah. and all and those guys, but he was fifth. So I, I really thought even though he missed those games and maybe he didn't have you know all the highlights that other big name guys do. His his, his game isn't you know the sexiest to watch. I think we all know that, but just watching him day in and day out, I think we can appreciate how good of a player he is and and how much of a positive impact he makes on both ends. Again, this isn't just offense, right? Yeah, he was second-team all-defense, um, as we should mention. Bam, first-team all-defense. Yeah. So, I, where, where would you have ranked him? I mean, if you, if you had Jimmy? a goal, where would you put him? Yeah. Probably second or third team. I just think the games played ultimately knocks him out of that first-team consideration for me. I haven't, like, gone through and, like, I don't have to, I don't have a vote, so I don't uh, worry too much about, like, all the specifics, but... Yeah, probably second or third team. Um, I, I definitely feel like I would have had him on the ballot. Um, would you? Did you have Bam on your ballot? That's the other one I forgot to ask about. I did not, and this okay. is why. Okay, so it was weird where they had like Embiid as a forward center. Yes. 
And I could have opened and up. And Jokic is a forward center, right? Yeah, like they had Bam as a forward center. Like they had a, every big Honestly, forward. Bam is more a forward center than anyone because the yes. Heat wanted him to be a power forward. Right, exactly. And he plays next to center sometimes, but like Kelly or Myers or, you know, in the past. Um, but um, so I could have, you know, Embiid really probably belongs in the first team. I mean, he was an MVP candidate. Probably would have won the MVP if he didn't get hurt. I think I saw um, he played one game at power forward this year. The, was one of the one of the probably the games they played the Heat actually, and they had to like start him and Dwight Howard next to each other or something. Yeah. So I could have I could have moved Embiid into the power forward slot next to Jokic to both for them to both be on first team, but then I would have lost a wing spot by putting Embiid as a forward down down the All NBA roster because right. I would have opened up a center spot for Bam to be on third teams. I think Bam was like right as the fourth center, my fourth center. Yeah. Um So Bam could have slid into that third team center spot. But the, the guard and wing depth for all NBA is so crazy that I made a decision to keep Embiid as a center so I can free up one of the guard wing spots for another guy to make it who's yeah. probably a little more deserving. So that was the, that was kind of the trade-off I made. That's why Bam didn't make it on my ballot just because there were so many guards and wings that a lot of the guards were guard forward as well, just like some of the centers were forward center. So it allowed me to, to sneak in one more perimeter player Onto my onto my ballot, which is kind of what I decided to go with, if that makes any sense. I think it also, you know, if if the story of this heat season in a lot of ways was the those what twelve games that Jimmy missed and they went two and ten during when he during the COVID uh, situation, and you know if they go six and six during that stretch, maybe Bam gets a different level of consideration. But that was his his moment to like kind of. Shows that he's an All-NBA guy, and, and obviously he had some really high highs during that stretch, but it didn't translate to winning, and that's not entirely his fault. But um, ultimately, the the fact that that is kind of what submarined the Heat season was that stretch and, and the struggle to you know catch up and uh, make up games after that, um, I, I think makes it makes it tough to consider Bam a or it's at least a case against Bam as a uh, an All NBA type guy. Yeah, and and it should be noted that the three centers who were picked were Jokic, Embiid, and Gobert, which is pretty yeah. I mean, it's really obvious. hard to crack yeah. that top three unless you're going to put like you said, unless you're going to put one of them as a four right. or put Bam as a as a forward. Then it's yeah. There's not it's an tough. argument for him. And, and, and there's so many guys. And there's so many wings that are deserving that to put that you could put as a forward too that it just makes it really tough for Bam. And Bam did finish fourth. He finished fourth at the, as yeah. the fourth center, but he wasn't even close. I mean, obviously those three got the majority, overwhelming majority of the votes. Right. Uh, so Bam finished fourth, but he was a really distant fourth. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm pretty confident that he'll make at least one and probably more than one All NBA teams at some point in his career. Like he's he's very close to doing it, and he's only 23. Um, it's going to happen for him at some point. Yeah, and uh, he gets that first team all defense reward too, which is that's like it's a good way to like second team all defense. Or sorry, second team all defense. Yeah. Um, so it's that's good. Look, you know, he gets some recognition there too. So, um, do you have any regrets for your your Jimmy Butler vote after seeing the way the Heat went out in the first round? No, because it's a regular season award. You know, yeah. Um, he did not play well in the playoffs. Obviously, I think he shot like twenty nine percent. It was surprising um, that he played so poorly, but I don't have a regret. I really do think that yes, I I agree. Like that was the one thing you could point to of games missed. But what I what I broke it down uh, the way I broke it down was he missed ten, ten of those twenty games he missed was because of COVID. 
And I just, you know, I know that that counts. You know, those are 10 games you miss, but I don't want to fault a guy for that. Yeah. So, um, and I think the games he missed kind of showed how valuable he was as well because the team was very bad when he wasn't playing. And they were really, really good when he was playing. So I, I think it also I think it also was a representation of just how important and how good he, he and valuable he is to this team. So I, I still think, you know, I, I wrestled with it. Like Damien could have taken that last spot yeah. on my first team. Um, or who was the other one? Oh, Kawhi as well. That kind of was right there on the cusp. It was be, really between Dame, Kawhi, and, and Jimmy for me in that last uh, first team spot. I went with Jimmy. I thought he had the better season. I think Advanced Metrics would say he had the better season um, of the three. Um, but I don't fault anybody for putting Kawhi or, or, or Dame ahead of him. I, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I probably would have had Lillard first team. And the other thing with the, with the Jimmy thing, I think, you know, obviously it's been a story with, like, Giannis's uh, awards voting over the last year. Is like he's got to prove it in the playoffs to prove he's not just a regular season guy. With Jimmy, I think the fact that he is coming, like, I know he was terrible in these playoffs, but we are coming off him having, like, one of the all-time great finals performances ever. So, like, and he's historically a good playoff performer. So uh, I, I think you're fine in your, uh, your first team All-NBA vote. Thank you, David. Yeah, I was right. worried I might be. I was worried I might be the only one who voted from first. I know so I was, that was, this would have been a better segment if it was. <laughs> I know you're rooting for that. I think you texted I me last I night. You were like, "Were you the only him? one who voted for him?" You're. I know you're rooting for that just for the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's. Uh, okay, like I said, I think just off the top of my head, kind of looking at some names right here, I think I would have had him second team. But uh, you know, you make a you make a compelling case. It almost like to me, it's almost like he's more deserving of MVP than he was of like first team All NBA, which is weird. Well, I almost gave him fifth, my fifth place MVP vote. I was very close to doing it. What was I your MVP ballot? I don't think we talked about it. Uh, off the top of my head, let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Obviously, I had Jokic one. I think I had B two. Um, Steph three. I think I had Steph four. Here, I have it. I had, I had Giannis three, Steph four, nice. and Luca five. Luca five. Yeah, I almost put Jimmy as five. Yeah, I think you could have justified that. They, I mean, they kind of had similar. I guess Luca didn't miss the games, but um, that that Jimmy did. But they honestly kind of had similar seasons where their teams were so like ravaged by COVID uh, early in the year, and then but when they were, they had such good individually individual seasons, they were able to like kind of keep. You know, they obviously both kept their teams out of the play-ins, which I think was ultimately like a, a pretty good accomplishment. Would you have given Jimmy the fifth MVP vote? Um, probably not. It's, I don't he know didn't get Luca. Like, I, I think there's just a, a tough. You know, there's Chris Paul, there's Damian Lillard. Like, yeah, Damian. I, I think there's a lot of guys who you could have considered for that. But I mean, it's like, he's all. I'm just saying, he's almost like, just because, like you were saying, the value, his value to this team is so clear this year. Um, yeah. That. That I think he almost like makes more of a case as an MVP than than an All NBA guy. Whereas like. If you're just picking, like, the, you know, All-NBA, if you think of it as, like, you're picking the five best guys in the league, is he on that list? Maybe not, but is he one of the five most valuable guys in the league? I think there's, like, almost a more compelling case for that. I, I think it's surprising that he got seven first-team votes but didn't get one MVP vote. I think that's, that's pretty interesting, surprising. actually. Yeah, it's a yeah. good point. The, uh, the reason I didn't give an MVP vote, even though he was technically, like, the fifth-best player in All-NBA ballot, was because Embiid 
moved right. to the second team because since he was the position, the, the position yeah. thing on the All NBA. But you would think there would be like one of those seven people right. also just kind of thought he was uh, MVP worthy. So yeah, you're yeah. right. That's pretty interesting. That would I that I, I was like ninety percent of the way there of just like putting him there on my it would, I would have been the only one to give him an MVP vote, but he was there. I mean, he like you said, him and Luca it was a toss up really. I gave it to Luca, but I could have easily seen him getting something. I, I was kind of surprised he didn't get one MVP vote at all. I don't think he would have gotten a lot of crap either. Like, you know, sometimes when, like, uh, hometown – I feel like this was more a thing, like, 10 or 15 years ago, and I feel like it definitely happens more in baseball, uh, also where the ballot is way bigger. I think they have 10 for the MVP in baseball. Um, like, that's a kind of a thing where, like, the hometown beat writer votes for a guy and kind of gets crap from people. Um, I don't think he would have gotten that with Jimmy. I, I think it would have stood out that it was a Miami Herald guy who gave Jimmy Butler his one MVP vote. But um, I think people have been like, yeah, you know what? He kind of deserved it. I also think, like, when I said a few minutes ago, like, with Jimmy's game, I think you really have to watch him day in and day out to really appreciate it. Like, he, he's not a game – it's not a game that you you appreciate from afar, I would say, just yeah. because, again, he doesn't produce a ton of highlights. He doesn't have the prettiest game. It's a lot of, like, you know, physical getting into the paint, drawing fouls, and, and defense is so hard to measure. And I feel like you really have to watch him day in and day out to really understand how – elite he is and the impact he has so I think he's the type of player if anybody's gonna get it from a hometown writer you know I think it, he's one of those guys just because he has that type of game yeah it's not like you're some San Francisco Chronicle writer voting for Omar Vizquel like third in MVP because he like hit 270 and right. didn't commit an error all year yeah right I mean Jimmy had the best season of his career and he has yeah. he's had a pretty good career so that's saying something yeah all right, uh, let's take a uh, quick break, and then we'll uh, come back and uh, play a little game. All right, Anthony, uh, let's play uh, – we, we do this every once in a while, buy or sell. Uh, I think we maybe change the name for it. Like, we got to, like, actually have a segment, maybe a theme song. Um, we we got to be a little more structured. But we'll do some buy or sell for the offseason. Um, uh, Barry and I talked a lot about the potential offseason pads for this team last week, uh, and he wrote about it. So if you want to kind of, like – Get the lay of the land. You can either check out last week's episode or, or read some of the stuff he has written over the last uh, week and a half here. Um, but I got five things out here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a statement. You're gonna say whether you buy or you sell it. Um, number one, the Heat is ready to move forward with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler as its core two. I feel like I'm on PTI right now. Um, <laughs> I buy that. I, I just. Uh, I don't think you're going to trade Bam Adebayo for many players in the NBA. You know, he's 23 years old, very unique for his position. The potential is obviously still there for him to get a lot better, especially if he extends his offensive game to the three-point line. I mean, if he if he gets a three-point shot, which I think most of us expect him coming. to do at some Maybe point. not this yeah. year, maybe the year after. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. It, 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 he has, like, he's a good free-throw shooter. He's improved as a mid-range shooter. He has smooth mechanics. Like he's gonna be, a, he's gonna incorporate a three-point shot into his game. And when he does that, um, yeah, he's gonna be very difficult to, to defend. And he's gonna probably be a top ten NBA player uh, when you include his defense. Um, and then Jimmy, I just don't think at this point. I think the Heat and Jimmy are kind of married. Uh, I, yeah, Jimmy is kind of what the Heat stands for. He led the team to the finals in his first season. He just had an All NBA season. Um, he's one of the top players in the league. Um, I just I don't think that would be a very good look for the Heat to all of a sudden just trade Jimmy. 
Um, so I, I do buy this, that I think these are the core two. And also, I mean, realistically, you trade one of these guys for, I don't know, let's say Damian Lillard. Like, are they are the Heat winning a championship with, like, you sub out Damian Lillard for Jimmy Butler? Uh, probably not. I mean, I, I think they're, you know, I don't know. I guess you could argue that they'd be a little better. Um, but defensively, they probably wouldn't be better. Maybe offensively, they'd, they'd be more dynamic. But defensively, not, they would not be better with Dame. So I don't think there are many moves that would, like, substantially improve this team by trading you know, one this, of these guys. This is a topic Barry and I talked about last week. But who is, like, well, we both, just, you know, Jimmy's coming back. He's, like, when he's at his best, he's a top 10, top 15 player. But Bam is the guy who theoretically you could upgrade on. Um, who's, like, the worst guy you would trade Bam for? I think there's only one guy in the NBA I would trade Bam for Bam for, and it's Luka. I think that's it. You wouldn't and trade Bam, him for Dame? No. I would not trade him for a 30-year-old Dame, and I love Dame. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But I, I, the age factor is big for me. I just and he and and Dame has had his injuries. Um, I, I just I would not trade Bam for really anybody except Luca. I think Luca is. I mean, he's amazing. I don't know. For is anybody he who's yet? Like, like kind of out there, like you know, you would trade him probably for like Zion or whatever. Like you know, there are guys who are just not going to get dealt. But uh, I would. We'll, I don't we'll know if I would trade him for Zion. I, I I've had this conversation with Barry, and he's like, I don't want to disclose our conversations, <laughs> but he's. He's a little surprised on my answers to my answer to this question. I just would not trade Bam for many players. I really think he's he's going to get a lot better. I think he's going to be a top ten player. Um, he's for his position. He's kind of the modern day like perfect big defensively. I mean, how much more can you ask from him? I know he's not the elite rim protector that maybe you want at a set, from a center, but he's made for what the NBA is today of just switching on anybody and really could shut down any player you know he guards. Um, yeah, I mean, there are some holes in his game offensively. Like, he needs to, you know, become a better post-up player. He needs to become more confident in his outside shot, um, be more aggressive. All those things that everyone talks about, yeah, he needs to be better at that. But let me forget that two years ago he was coming off the bench behind Hassan yeah. Whiteside and he was, like, in an energy role. Yeah. And now we're expecting him to average 25 points a game. Like, it just doesn't work like that. It's going to come. Um, but, again, I just – yes, Dame is very good. He's better than Bam right now. But I would not trade – a 23-year-old Bam on a bio that's going to become a lot better probably in the next few years for a 30-year-old Damian Lillard. Luka, to me, Luka is the ultimate building block right now in the NBA. So uh, that that's the one I would say yes to. Right, well, we'll talk about Luka at the end here. Um, number two on my list, um, I think, I don't remember if I answered that by yourself, but I, I agree, they're, they'll be back as the core two. Uh, number two on my list, uh, Tyler Hero will be back with the Heat next season and is a, quote, core player, as Pat Riley said. Um, I, I think he's going to be back with the Heat just because I don't see a big trade happening this offseason where the Heat would deal him. Like, let's say let's say the Heat go after Kyle Lowry, which I think we'll get to mm-hmm. later in the segment. I don't think they would include Tyler in that trade if they have to do a signing trade for, for Kyle yeah. this summer just because, I mean, they they – Pat said a few months ago, like, they weren't going to trade Tyler or Duncan for Kyle. It would be weird if they just turned around and did that. And, you know, again, yeah. the age factor, Tyler's 21, Kyle, I think, is like 35, 36. Um, so I, I just wouldn't – I can't see that happening. But, I mean, he might be he might be considered a core player. I'm not saying Pat is is lying when he, when he classified him as that uh, a couple weeks ago. But I also know that Tyler is probably the 
best trade asset at this point. Yeah, I will say and, I, the way I the way I would look at this is Tyler Hero is core to their plans. Yes, he's either a core player or he is a uh, a piece to trade for a core player. Right. I, one way or the other, he is a core part of their plan, and he will be yeah either important for them on the court or important for them in in some type of transaction moving forward. But I don't think that transaction will happen this offseason. I really don't. I just I don't see the Heat pulling off that type of trade uh, in the next few months. Yeah, I, I, there's another thing Barry and I talked about last week, but it kind of feels like whatever the big move the Heat make, it's going to happen. If it happens, will happen, not in the offseason, but like at the trade deadline. Just where, because it seems like you know maybe Dame tries to get moved this summer. Um, but other than that, like we're still waiting for like, that next group, like, it still feels like Beal is, like, Wizards stank out of the gate next year, and he wants to get dealt at the deadline, or, you know, the, this kind of, we're, right. we're still waiting on that, like, next group to totally become disgruntled. Um, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen this offseason, but again, like, something always comes up in the summer that we don't expect, and maybe Hero is a part of that, but I agree with you right now. It seems like he will start the season uh, in Miami. Uh, number three here, the Heat will try to b- bring back both Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn. Buy or sell? Sell. I, I think they're – this is my opinion. I think they're going to really try to bring back Duncan. I think Duncan is – I mean, I almost think they built the offense around Duncan. It's kind of strange, but when you have two stars who are non-shooters, you, you need an elite shooter to kind of make it go, and, and Duncan is that guy. Yeah, um, I think they have could, such good chemistry together. Yeah, I, I I really think they're going to make an effort to, to get a deal done with Duncan pretty quickly. Um, Kendrick, I could see them letting him test the market, um, especially if you bring back Goron and you try to bring back Victor at some type of you know affordable contract where he can maybe play midseason. And if you're going to go after Kyle Lowry, that's another guard. Like, uh, yeah, you know, Kendrick Nunn. I hope he gets paid. You know, he's earned the contract, um, whatever he gets, but. You know, at some point you have to make a decision, and I don't know if you know if Kendrick gets ten, eleven million dollars from a team, if he could afford that. They can, I don't know if they can afford both Duncan and Kendrick. I mean, it's, they're going to be really flirting with the luxury tax for years to come if they give Duncan fifteen, sixteen million dollars and Kendrick none ten million plus Jimmy and Bam and their deals. And if they want to go after another star, I mean, it's just you can't have everything. So I think I think they're going to prioritize Duncan over Kendrick. Yeah, it seems like an inevitability that Kendrick Nolan will be playing elsewhere next season. The the only question is, will he just walk as a free agent, or will the Heat like use him potentially as part of like some kind of sign and trade, right? Like, cause they that yeah. that's the one thing they could, that's the one way they could quote re-sign him. But um, it, like you said, it's, it's basically inevitable that he's going to be walking. And with the Duncan thing, you know, I know he's going to get a big contract, and people are going to be like, "Ooh, is he really worth that?" Um. Unless he has a uh, Davis Bertans like collapse as a shooter, he's going to be really valuable. To, but, like even if if it like even if the Heat at some point are like oh we like need to move we can sign someone and you know we don't need we don't want Duncan anymore like they're going to be able to move him. That's going to be a movable contract. I think no matter basically no matter how big it is. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna bring up to you. I mean you. As a as a person who follows the Wizards, you, you watched Davis Bertens this year um, after he got his big contract. I mean, does that like what what would you pinpoint to the reason for his just Duncan is just a way year? way better all around player. Right. Bertens like is all he does is shoot. He's got no handle. He's got you know he's six eleven and has no post 
moves. Um, he's not a playmaker like uh, like Duncan. We can talk about the disappointing season he had as a shooter this year, but he was still like a really good offensive player because he can um, attack closeouts a little bit. He's a kind of a good finisher around the rim. Obviously, he's not like taking a ton of shots at the rim, but he's a pretty crafty finisher around the rim, and he's a pretty good, good cutter too. Like good he's cutter, yeah, a good yeah. cutter. I, yeah, I just think he's a way way better basketball player than than Bertans. I think Duncan is Bertans closer is to also Joe Harris. Bert, like you know. Yeah, he's more like Joe Harris yeah. or a J.J. Redick, or, but an even better shooter than those guys, honestly, and bigger than those guys. Um, I, I just think he's a good – like, he's good. He's, he's good. He's good at basketball, and that's not – that's not – you can't say the same necessarily about Bertans or, or some of these other um, shooters maybe who would get that kind of contract. Fair. That's fair. I, I, I agree. I think – like I said, I think Duncan is more comparable to Joe Harris than Davis yeah. Bertans, so – yeah, um, definitely. And, and Duncan has he's shown, got skill. He's skilled. Yeah, and he's improved year to year. Like he's added more to his game. He's never going to be a Jimmy Butler, obviously, but he's added more elements to his offensive game that make him a little bit more uh, dynamic and, and more than just a shooter. So that's yeah. I, I think Bill Simmons, like maybe last postseason, compared his ceiling to Peja Stojakovic, and like I don't know if he'll ever be as good as Peja. Peja was like an awesome offensive player, and obviously the era was different, but um, like it, that kind of makes sense to me. Like where he's he's not ever he's not just going to be a spot up shooter, which is what Bertans is. Like he you know he runs more than anyone on the like I remember like they talk about some of the tracking data of like how far yeah. he's running in a game and he like moves more than basically anyone in the league. So um, just that alone is is a valuable asset. And then like I said, he he is pretty good at the rim. He's a pretty good playmaker um, for for a one dimensional shooter. That's all pretty good. Um, number four, uh, Kyle Lowry will be a member of the Heat's roster next season. I'm going to buy this. It kind of feels like it's going that way. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I like the move, but it feels like it's going that way. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I know there's mutual interest between the two sides, obviously. I mean, we know that from the trade deadline, and Kyle and Jimmy are close. I think Kyle's a godfather to Jimmy's daughter. Um, they're obviously close. Um, so I, I just think it's almost, like, inevitable, but... You know, there will be some things that need to be worked out. I mean, Kyle, like you said, he wants money. He wants years. How many years did the Heat give? Would the Heat offer Kyle at 35, 36 years old? Um, where it could tie them up salary cap-wise for years to come if they give them, like, three, four years. I don't think they will, but if they did that, it would really tie them up. Um, but I, I just think they'll, they'll, they'll find a way to make it happen, whether it's through a sign-and-trade or just a free agent signing. Um, I, I would say I would buy it for sure, um, and I think it'll help the Heat. Yes, he's you know he's not young, uh, but it's kind of what the Heat need. You know that's why the Heat that's why Spo moved Goran into the starting lineup in the middle yeah. of that playoff series. They needed a a true point guard who could settle the offense and take the pressure off of Jimmy. Um, and Kyle is definitely that, and he's a really good three point shooter as well. So I think offensively it will definitely help the Heat, and then defensively Kyle is really good too. So um, the only thing you have to be scared of is that sudden regression for an aging point guard. Um, you hope it's not next year if, the, if he comes to the Heat just because that would be that would be a tough for the Heat to swallow after, you know, adding him. Yeah, I, I think obviously he makes the Heat better. Um, I just don't think he makes helps you make up the ground that you need against um, the top three in the East. I, I agree, I don't, dude. I don't but what will, though? You know, like I, I – I, yeah. I well, yeah, this, like, is, this is the, is the dilemma I think they face, right? They tried yeah. to be patient and wait for Giannis uh, last time, like last off season, 
and it didn't work out. And now they, the question is, are you going to be patient again and wait for the next superstar who may or may not become available and may or may not want to come to Miami? Or do you just make that move and just keep making moves, keep making moves? And um, I don't know. That's why I kind of feel like the Kyle Lowry thing is going to happen because I, you know, you have to think that he feel a little burned by the honest thing or the whatever the the plan of saving cap space for this off season that ultimately has been like now is a pretty bad free agency class. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, that's the thing. Like, I know the Heat is all about winning championships, and Pat's always going to say we're going after a championship, but I don't know if that move is out there to make this summer for them to just all of a sudden jump from the fourth or fifth seed in the East to true title contender. And that's weird to say for a team that was just in the finals last season, but yeah. I mean, the, the, the East has improved so much um, that, you know, things have changed. I, I just don't know if that, that move is out there. So at some point you just got to just try to improve. Right. And, and yeah, you, you obviously don't want to tie up your cap for years and years, but if you could find a middle ground for a two year contract where, you know, next off season, yeah, he's under contract, but he's on an expiring deal that maybe you can include in the trade. It's a big expiring deal for a team maybe that, that is interested in that and having a guy that's going to be a free agent in a year. Maybe 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 you do that. Maybe that's the Heat's move where they 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 find a way to to get Kyle on a two two year deal. But yeah, I don't great. know. I don't know if you could just. I don't know if you can keep punting every year. I, I just. I don't know if you could keep doing that. Yeah. All right, last one. Uh, the Heat will operate as an over-the-cap team rather than use cap space this offseason. Uh, I'll buy that. I'll buy that just because they have so many guys with bird, their bird rights, and you want to leverage that that advantage. So, And to do that, you need to operate over the cap. Um, so that means Goron. That means you know Victor. Um, it, to bring them back, really, you, you really need to be over the cap. Um, so I'll say the Heat operate over the cap and – to do, and if they do that, then they'll have to acquire Kyle through a sign-and-trade, which that's kind of how they that's how they acquired Jimmy. Um, so they, they, they'll find a way to make that work if, yeah. if that becomes a reality. Yeah. It feels like the only way they operate under the cap is if, like, they know there's a guy that they, uh, like, can use that cap space on, right? Like, if not, it just, like you said, because of the assets you would lose, basically, by operating under the cap. Um, you have to operate over the cap because you got to keep those those guys all around for a future trade, and obviously it just makes you better short term if you just brought that roster back basically by by going uh, over the cap. For sure, and you have more exceptions to use too if you operate over the cap. You have a nine point five million exception and the biannual as well, uh, so it gives them just more resources as well to just not only bring back some of their own guys, but also you know look elsewhere and sign and make some outside additions too. As opposed to if you if you operate as a room team, then you don't have the biannual, and then you have a smaller exception. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense um, to operate as an over the cap team, unless, like you said, unless all of a sudden Kawhi says I want to come to the Heat, which yeah. I don't think we expect. But if he did, then you free up as much cap space as you can and make that happen. But yeah. um, odds are they'll be an over the cap team this summer. All right, Anthony, I got one bonus one for you. Luka Doncic will be on the Heat next season. Stop. No, he's not going to be in the Heat. And I, I've, like I said, I mean, I think he's the ultimate building block. I, I think he is amazing for his age and for really any age. He's going to be an all-time great. And if the Heat had really had a chance to get him, I would, you know, do anything to get that done. But I, I just, yeah, that's that's not happening. Even with Goran on the team, you know, Luca's 
Luca's close Slovenian friend. I just, yeah, that's not going to happen this offseason. Maybe in like three or four years. Who knows? But yeah, not, maybe. Not this, 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 I guess this all kind of started with that Maverick story, right? About uh, yeah. Um and the shadow GM or whatever uh, the, the accusations were. Um, it doesn't seem like uh, we're going from like zero to sixty on a on a Luca disgruntledness, right? Which is what this would be. Um, he's another one that it feels like. Maybe if the Mavericks start terrible and he's clearly pissed off, like, next summer. But, uh, yeah, the, they're not trading Luka Doncic right now. It doesn't matter how unhappy he is. They're signing him to the Supermax extension this offseason. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, exactly. And he's not turning it down. I mean, maybe he will. Maybe he'll be the first guy to do it, right? But um, He's not. He's not. No. Unless he's, he's really pissed, but he's not. Yeah. Well, Mark Cuban said that story was BS, so. I know. Uh, what about what about Spo to the Blazers? Or the other fun uh, Twitter heat Twitter freak out of of the week? That I totally yeah. I totally missed that whole cycle. Off season, the off season, you know, you gotta love you gotta love boring June days. Um, yeah. No, Spo is gonna coach the Heat next season. So. Yeah, I guess even I actually didn't hear the segment that uh, Ethan Skolnick like I guess kind of mentioned it, but apparently even in that segment he was like, it's not gonna happen, but like the Blazers want it, and obviously the Blazers yeah. want it. Yeah, and there's obvious connections there. I mean, Spo grew up in Portland. Like, yeah, his parents yeah. still live in Portland. Yeah, his, his dad, dad was GM, right? Or... Yeah, his dad worked for the organization. Um, he went to college in Portland. Like, there's a lot of ties there. Yeah. Um, but I just – and, of course, if, you know, just that obvious connection, I'm sure that crossed Portland's mind, and they're like, you know, maybe can we can we lure, can we lure uh, Eric here, come back home with just like the – just the, you know, returning home – type of storyline, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Spoh's pretty, pretty good to the heat right now. I don't, I don't see that uh, being a possibility, but I don't blame Portland for just thinking about it, if that's if that's the case. It sure feels like Eric Spolster is going to just be the next Pat Riley, where he's Pat's going to retire, and then when he Pat retires, Spo will retire and become the GM, and then and Brad he'll Stevens. Be the GM until, yeah, and then, exactly, and then Brad Stevens uh or uh, Jay Laranega or something will uh, will come and be the next coach. Dwayne Wade will be the next coach. Dwayne Wade, um, and we'll follow. We'll just keep following that trajectory for eternity. Karan Butler. Let's get Karan Butler to be the coach after Chris Spell. Quinn. Chris Quinn yeah. is the lead assistant. So yeah, I guess Chris Quinn is the lead assistant right now, and kind of has that like wonderkind like uh, look that Spo did early in his career, right? Yeah, and I, don't also, know, also, I don't know how old Chris Quinn is. I think he's still pretty young. I remember him as a college player, but um. Yeah, he's he's got that the the golden boy kind of look, right? Thirty seven. He is younger than I thought. Wow. Yeah. And there's also David Fisdo out there who's not coaching right now, but I know him and Spo are very very close friends. So you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're going to way ahead of for a little bit. Yeah, it's longer, not going anywhere but, uh, for another like ten years. Or whatever, so <laughs> yeah. um, let's finish up there before we get way way off the rails. <laughs> uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, what what are you working on these days? I mean, it's the off-season, David, so things are pretty slow. But yeah. I have a mailbag coming out this week, um, just answering different questions I got on Twitter. Um, and just some other fun stuff I'm working on for next week, um, kind of off-season uh, look-aheads uh, for the draft and for agency. I know the Heat don't have a draft pick, but there's different ways for them to get in the game. Um, so just different things like that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, Quiet, a little quiet for me too uh, these days. Uh, Miami recruiting stuff for the most part. Uh, so if you're into that kind of stuff, you can check that all out at MiamiHerald.com. 
Uh, but until next week, Anthony, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, David.